0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. As a chief inspirational officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talents, their self-worth, all of that self-esteem stuff. Wonderful. Because we know people matter, self-worth matters, time matters, and when it all aligns, everything works. And on this week's podcast episode, we have Manpreet Dillon with us. And what a fascinating person. And that's really the category that I have. Not only has she been published, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but what a wonderful story. And um, Manpreet, are you with us?
1: I'm here. Thank you, Marla.
0: Okay. Let me just do a nice little um, introduction. So we know who exactly is on the line. Manpreet founded the VISA Um, or VESA, I should say, organization, and it is founded to address the diversity gap and to foster inclusion around the boardroom table. The VESA community offers enriched personal and professional development opportunities, and the opportunities are around training and mentoring female leaders of various cultural backgrounds to speak up with confidence and to contribute their unique vantage point and expertise to create positive change in the entrepreneurial not-for-profit government and corporate sectors that they serve. And you will find Manpreet anywhere from Vancouver, Canada, all the way to the Netherlands, and in between um, helping women's leadership and culture. So um, I am just so jazzed to have you on this, on this episode today. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here as well. I mean,
1: it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. when you. I was listening to the podcast a few days ago, and all the inspirational people um, on this, I feel very privileged to be a part of that uh, lineup as well.
0: Well, that just says something, my friend. You've got something of value. And the thing that, um, you know, let's start with your story. You know, what, let's go from the very beginning, um, Manpreet, of where, you know, how did you grow up? And then how did you become um, the woman that you are today? Fill in that gap. Take us to the very beginning so we understand um, being a woman of culture and, and really what you truly stand for.
1: Uh, Of course. Um, So I grew up in a South Asian home. I was born and raised in uh, Kamloops, D.C., a small little town here um, in Canada. And my parents were immigrants, so it's always an interesting story being born to immigrant parents. My parents were really, I mean, very um, traditionally, like, I wasn't allowed to wear jeans until I was in grade five because my dad felt that people of uh, self-worth didn't wear jeans, you know, and because that was something that they grew up with in India. Um, I wasn't allowed to, and my curfew was the same time as my grade I am in because girls weren't, traditionally girls weren't allowed out of the house back in India. So I wasn't allowed really out of the house here as well. And which, you know, it, it impacts like my relationships, friendships and everything else. And it kind of always made me feel that I was always second class or something because I'd always constantly be learning from my peers on, you know, what kind of TV shows they watch, what kind of food did they eat as a normal family living in Canada, um, you know, quote unquote. And I'd have to go back and tell my mom, I'm like, Oh mom, they eat like pasta. She's like, okay, let's eat pasta. Just to try to have us, have us as kids fit in to the, you know, the community that we were a part of. And it was always interesting. Cause I, as much as I loved my childhood, I I couldn't shake the feeling of I've always wanted to be white. I always wanted to be always felt like I was less than because I had a different colored skin and my parents were very restrictive and, um, in our upbringing because they were still influenced a lot by the Indian background. So over time I kept pushing to break those barriers. And my mom was really helpful with that as well. I was one of the only people in my family that moved out at 18 uh, to go away to school. And she had to hear from her, um, all of her family members saying, why would you let her go away? She's only, she's supposed to get married. And that's only, we she's supposed to leave the house. And my mother was like, well, mm-hmm. no, she's got, got into one of the best schools. Why shouldn't she go away? And wow, and so she kind of kept uh uh fighting for that, and then, when I even was living on my own, their const- well constantly my parents had to hear why isn't she living with family? Why does she have her own place and so we kept you know we kept pushing against the boundaries and pushing all against all of that, and it's exhausting in some ways, but it's also Nowadays, we look at the younger girls. I'm like, you are. They're so lucky. <laughs> you guys get to do. Anything. Oh boy, we were kinda, exactly. We were the <laughs> yeah, um, we were in the costume. You know, trying to balance it, and a lot of people I grew up with, my peers, they got married at a young age. Education didn't matter, and now many of them are getting divorced. Um, but they and I've, I'm single, and I, you know, I get the why are you single? That's the only way that you have any success because you don't have a husband or you don't have a child. So well, it's really it's never enough in some ways. Um, Sure. And so that constant feeling of not feeling good enough is something that one of the things that I don't want other women to feel. And as I've overcome that feeling, that's really the basis of, you know, we do deserve to be at the uh, boardroom tables. We deserve to be, you know, I deserve to like walk into a space and not be the only colored person there where I feel like I'm representing a race, but I'm actually representing myself as an individual because I see people who look like me in the room as well. I've gone to many events where I'm one of the only women who is of color there,
0: and wow. yeah, and I want that. Change.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, and and you fight for that every day. I mean, you can just tell. I mean, it's just like you said. I mean, you've you've grown up with with the desire to be white. Isn't that really interesting? Um, you know, and so you stand so tall in the areas of culture and diversity. So, talk to us about you know being a woman of culture and and how they're being underserved or maybe not being served at all in today's ecosystem of, of women in business?
1: Uh, well, you know, one of the things is like a lot of, as we were doing, I, I've been working on some provincial councils here in, uh, as well. One of the things we realize a lot of the issues that women um, deal with are the same, regardless of the color of your skin. Um, the second layer that exists for women of cultural backgrounds is a double glass ceiling of the culture and family biases that exist there. And there's not a lot of role models that look like them, you know, or that they can identify with externally, or they feel like they have the same similar experiences with the family dynamics. And so that's where the underserving comes. I mean, there's such a movement around getting women in leadership, um, but a lot of those women, you know, um, women have, who have a white background, they still make, so they still make more money of women than women of cultural background, if you look at the pay scales. Um, we're in a culture mm-hmm. background, I actually the lowest on the pay scale. And then it, it, then it depends on what kind of culture you come from. That will determine your pay scale as well.
0: And, well, and here's, yeah, those numbers don't lie, right? I mean, so how do you change that? I mean, and that's really what you stand for. But Tell us about your mission to change that and why that should change. So there's two prongs that we use that change. First, working with organizations
1: so that they recognize that there's extra work that needs to be done for women and cultural backgrounds and diversity initiatives in general. um, It's creating a space and opening to have unconscious bias when it comes to hiring, like eliminating any unconscious bias Sorry, when it comes to hiring. Um, Setting up HR programs that are um, supportive of diversity in the organization, such as like looking at hiring practices, um, looking at promotion practices, looking at the mentoring opportunities within organizations. And then also providing leadership training on what kind of language um, helps inclu- to create an inclusive environment within the workplace where people feel like they have a sense of belonging. Because once people have a sense of belonging, they feel that they will um, apply for the promotions and f- apply for the next level. And then also working with organizations on policies and processes that allow for flexible working environment um, arrangements um, in order to support, you know, there's going be cultural aspects that are going to impact a person's journey into the workplace as well. And then from the individual side we provide course, uh, courses and um, online courses uh, sorry coaching and online courses to really support them in their leadership journey but really undoing the cultural and family biases that exist um, mm-hmm. so that they really stand in their individual as an individual of what's important to them and and what's going to take what that um, sense of self value and self worth is going to take for them to move to the next level
0: Absolutely. And so and then, of and then we
1: also the, And then the trade missions as well, which is really exciting. And that's on the entrepreneur side. We take women of women CEOs and women leaders of different organizations to trade missions to different parts of the world. And next one we're doing is Croatia, which is really exciting because it's really setting these women meeting women of different um, in these other countries and looking at the cross-cultural exchange, but also what are the challenges for both sides and how to come together as women around the world to support each other to grow bigger and better and actually have more success in all aspects of their life.
0: And so connect the dots there. What do you see as the magic formula, Manpreet, as you've gone through this initiative and, and you put yourself in all these opportunities, you know, is there a common thread that can connect or change these different things that are happening with women in culture? Yeah. And for me, it really,
1: there's two prongs actually. Um, um, mentoring, mentoring others, is really important and actually stepping into, the, um, stepping into a place where you can mentor and be a role model for others. Because people, the more women of color or cultural background you have in leadership, the more others are inspired to take um, action as well. When you step into being a beacon of light, um, you really light like the path for everyone else. And, and how to do that is really through going in deep within yourself and actually uncovering what your own leadership qualities are. Um, and how you perform as a leader and actually bringing the Feminine Leadership Principles to the workplace so that you feel excited and engaged and energized by everything that's going on with, around you. And you're able to create leadership, um, create teams and be a leader from a place of of creating environments and communities where everyone else is able to step in, be a leader from where they are as well. And so yeah, and that's done through the coaching work
0: or the online
1: courses. and just the personal development um, aspects.
0: Okay. So, you know, there's, you're, you're talking about building that sense of belonging. Um, and I would assume that there's a, got to be a level of confidence you have to have in order to step into it, even though maybe a door is open to, you know, to participate or belong, but you also have to be confident enough to believe that you can. Do you, do you ever come oh, across of- that? And, and
1: oh, taking of a course. Start? Imposter syndrome. Like, that's exactly oh. where yeah (laughs) we're like oh yes the imposter syndrome plays a big role especially with women of culture background. um i mean there's not a lot of research that's done on it so far but um just as um you know from my own like the communities that i serve and the people that i've worked with there's a different level of imposter syndrome because you're not seeing those doors open for people that look like you or who've gone had similar experiences to you then you then you do question do i really belong Do, you know, do I belong in that, you know, that seat or do I belong in this room where those decisions are being made? And I've gone through that many times as well where, you know, I have the credentials, I have the background, I have the skills and everything, but there's so many times I'm like, am I qualified to be here? You know, am I qualified to, um, do I have what it takes to be here because no one else is in this room that I can identify with? And Mm -hmm. that confidence that I had to find within myself really come from a place of constantly, you know, one of the key exercises that I always use is I actually list out my achievements and all the reasons why um, I feel like I contribute well, you know, in all the ways that I contribute. And I actually look at those constantly as a key reminder so that I don't get fall into the imposter syndrome at, at
0: any time. Right. So we call that documenting your success. But doing yes. it in the reason to fuel yourself, like you said, I mean, there's times and, and barriers that you personally had to break through and without documenting that success and those accomplishments for you to, to stand back to, you know, and stand tall from, um, it's heavy. I mean, the stuff that you're talking about is very, very heavy. And when you and I first um, connected I mean, you were in the Netherlands at the time when we were having that um, connection. But, you know, you shared a refugee story, and you talked um, a lot about immigrants and some first-generation isolation. Can you take our audience to some of those stories to help us connect at a deeper level? Oh, completely. So um,
1: so I'm had. i going to take, take my personal story. So when I was at the Netherlands, um, I didn't know anyone moving there. And I was working for one of the UN-related organizations, so you're going into this place where um, your skills have to be, you know, <laughs> you have to hit the ground running as well. And w- I wa- walking into Netherlands, I, I remember there was a day when I went to the grocery store and I couldn't read the labels. And I'm like, this is an English-speaking country. And I can't um, read the labels and I can't, I couldn't buy grocery, I couldn't buy it like it was like a hamburger helper on a quinoa burger thing. And I couldn't read the labels to make the quinoa burger and I started crying. And I was like, wow, I, you know, the fact that I'm, 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 you know, grew up in a Western world. I'm in this country that usually speaks English and I can't make hamburger helper for myself because I can't understand the language. And then um, the first couple of days I was sick and I hadn't, because since I didn't know anyone in the country, I just felt, I've never felt so alone in my life where I was like, I, something could, ha- I could be, you know, I could completely fall ill and no one would know where I was unless I had to call someone from Canada and be like, I need help. And it was wow, that awakening moment. And I was talking to my mom about it and my mom, my mom, my mom, I love her to pieces, this, but she's like, "Suck it up. Um, she goes, we all went through that. She goes, I was 17 when I moved to Canada, and I didn't know anyone. I was married to a man I'd only met after I got married. And I was like,
0: "Wow!" You know thanks
1: for the perspective, right? And, uh, and wow. it kind of just o- opened up my eyes in so many ways. I'm like, that is right. I mean, she, and she's like, I don't even know English. At least you know English. You could talk to people. And wow. it was just that, and it just kind of blew, up, blew my mind in so many ways because I was like, this is not... What I was feeling was, for a moment, of what other people feel all the time, where
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: just so lost. And my mom's like, my mom's like, I used to have to write letters home. She's like, you're on video chat with someone from home every day. And she goes, I wouldn't believe that people you like for like three, three to four weeks. Yeah. And it yeah really put perspective isolation. in how difficult. Yeah, the isolation, the loneliness that that's in, and the level of. You just uh, the need for connection, which is why the, the, the cup uh, actually means connection creation. Um, because people really crave connection, whether it be in the workplace, be at home, but they want the creating connection within their self and their truth, but also to other people because they want to feel that um, they're valued as individuals and they have something to offer. And that's why you know, everything that we're doing with VESA and either be all the leadership programs or trade missions or um, the consulting, it's all around how do, you, how do we create more connection within the individual and to their larger community.
0: And the impact that you have, Manpreet, by doing it because you've walked in those shoes, I mean, and just the story that you tell, um, you know, when you have that personal experience, um, your relatability to what they're going through, I mean, you're able to close that gap for them because you can relate, right? And like even with your mother, you know it was easy for her just to say, you know, toughen up, because she'd been there too, um, but probably had forgotten, you know, those feelings that she had so early on, um, and just not, you know, remembering that she went through it, and the strength that you gain by by that experience is huge. Okay, so, me, my, uh, so you have been. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, sorry. Oh. Um, you've been published in one of the um, Chicken Soup for the Soul books in the Time to Thrive edition. Tell us about that experience and, and what was it that you shared in that publication?
1: That one is a very close uh, story to my heart. Um, so my brother passed away in 2013, and I was uh, he was my younger brother. He was only 32, and that journey of losing him, Really I mean it shook, obviously shook me up in so many ways, but in that year of my grieving with him, I decided to do things differently. I was fortunate enough that I was able to do this, but I ended up going traveling for two and a half years. I ended up going working on some international projects in India and Pakistan. I ended up um, going to the Everest and doing this plane ride to Everest, and as I started realizing this, I hit off a lot of the things on my bucket list in that one year because just realizing how short life was that there's no point to keep continue waiting anymore. And I actually started thriving. My business started to do well. My, um, it was doing really well and just the experiences and the quality of the relationships that I was surrounded with as I was going through the grieving process, um, really was quite profound. Um, so when I got the opportunity to write the story for, for the soul, I called it thriving while grieving. So it's really about, how the journey after his passing really led me to um, connecting to my own heart and really allowed me to hit off all the things in the bucket list because nothing was stopping me anymore. There, like, And how often the mind just blocks us from um, doing things that we love or we want to do because it's never the right time or it's never the right, um, It's I don't have the money or I don't have this or that. But I created opportunities out of nothing. Like my trip, my travel was sponsored. My the 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 things that I did had high impact, um, and I took care of myself. And it was all, it wasn't that I spent a lot of money at all. I actually found new ways to do it because I was so focused on and had faith that I knew what I wanted out of my life, and I knew that it's all possible. And I mean, luckily, I, I felt I always feel that very guided for, by my brother, and he allowed opened a lot of doors for me. And so that story is really about that journey of thriving while grieving um, for the year after his passing.
0: And what a, um, what a tribute to him, you know, to connect it, um, you know, you're relating to your spiritual rather than your material being in that circumstance. And that is where true enlightenment really is. And that's where the doors open up. Like you said, you were able to approach things so much more differently. And that experience um, is rich for you. And it was almost like, you know, yeah, just by doing it, and his his honor, really, um, led to so many great experiences, and you were taken care of, so it's by no mistake, yeah. right, that all of those things happened for you, and, and the doors did open, well, that's fantastic, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about what you wrote in that um, Time to Thrive edition, what was yeah. it specifically, was was it about your journey, or how can we read it? Was it? Yeah, okay. it was really about the journey, yeah, it was really
1: about the journey, like, there was a moment when... Um, I can't actually remember if I wrote it in the story <laughs> at this time, but um, when he passed, um, I had the, when I was standing by his casket, I just remember um, I was just connecting with his spirit for the last time. And this was the day before his funeral. And I, I you know, I'm just standing there and all of a sudden all the pieces in my, um, of the puzzle of my life just fell into place. And I just heard this message and he's like, look, everything makes sense. This is why you are where you are. Cause you need it. This is, it was all bringing you to this place, and the moment, everything, every decision, every event, every part of my journey just made sense because they all all had led me to that one time where I was standing there, being able to support my parents through their journey of losing their son, um, bring you know bring joy um, joy back to them through you know living uh, living his legacy as well. We started a not for profit for him, and. But everything just made sense of like why, where, why I lived where I lived or the, why I left my jobs when I left them or why I started my business when I started it. And I, it made me really realize that everything does happen for a reason. And it's all about allowing it to happen. And that's why the flow is so important because it's all working for you. Like life is really happening for you. And we just need to be able to see it. Mm, and right. The universe so that, wants us to succeed. Yes. Oh, completely completely yes. so that the story was really about you know connecting in with that aspect of what do you really desire and what does your heart really want and how to live life from a place of your heart instead of your head
0: mm. well and I think your message to men just listening to you I mean through your experiences and through your passions and your drive I mean you've been one of those individuals who um, had the rare and unique ability to really live life um, that most of us don't get um, at that level, right, or even uh, that level of understanding. And it's reframed everything. And, and I'm sure the people that you come into contact with, even the people that are listening to this podcast episode are relating to you in a way um, that you're, you're honoring them, and you're giving them back value, even though you might not feel it right now. Um, but just through your experience and through your passion to help women leaders um, get through the things that they're challenged with is huge. So in closing, you know, do you have um, a word of advice or maybe something, um, a position of strength that, um, that you can share with us in how you've um, led your life? Um, for me, the quote
1: that I always follow is the power is in the mind. And, you know, we always hear it. And so whether you're right or you're wrong, um, it's a decision that you make. And so really from that, what it always reminds me of If the mind is so powerful that it can impact everything else around us, how important it is to keep that mind in a positive state, keep it in a place of where you're training it to see the bigger picture. Um, And one of the things that, you know, a friend reminded me, I had said this a while ago, but if something's really stressing you out right now, you have to really think, is this going to stress me out in five years? Or what's the best decision going to be for me five years down the road? And if you live life from that perspective, you realize the little things don't matter. And you really can continue to focus on the bigger picture of what you really want to create for your life and from a
0: much bigger aspect. Right. Right. And just, yeah. Oh, I love it. What a deep, deep episode here. Um, but I, yeah, there's a reason why the people that are listening to this today and then who they're going to share um, really, it does, it, it really does matter. And you're an extension of that truth that I think so many of us here, but don't maybe truly understand. And um, so let's, let's do this. You can learn more about Manpreet uh, by visiting our website at marlohiggins.com, where you can learn how to um, connect to the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, that, um, that the Time to Thrive edition that Manpreet was in. And you can connect to various resources and add Manpreet to your circle of influence. So thank you for joining us today, Manpreet. And can you give our audience, um, do you have a website that you have um, that we can go to and learn more about you specifically?
1: Yes, thank you so much. Um, It's avezacommunity.com. So that's B-E-Z-A-community.com. And for those who are interested, there's actually a free feminine leadership guide on there that's a really powerful tool um, to develop the feminine leadership traits, regardless if you're male or female. Um, it's really understanding what are the feminine leadership traits and how your cultural and family biases are impacting your day-to-day as a leader. So, I mean, that's available for those who are interested. And it's a very powerful self-paced course. Um, it kind of guides you over the next 12 months. So it's, I strongly recommend it.
0: That's, okay, now tell us again, then, P, where we can um, capture that.
1: Oh, it's, it's just on the website. It's called the Feminine Leadership Guide. Okay. And, uh, okay. and you can just download it, you, you know, you can just download the Feminine Leadership Guide. And it's a really powerful tool on, on the traits of a feminine leader.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can tell most of our audience is going to be connecting and, and checking in with that. So what yeah. a delight. Thank you again for um, being present today and um, sharing your truth with, with us around, you know, culture and diversity and within your own story. So we invite you to share this podcast with others, and we thank you in advance for that partnership. This is Marla Higgins, your Chief Inspirational Officer. Make it a great day. Thank you. Thanks.